Welcome to Devil's Heaven, episode 99, Daredevil, season 1, episode 2, Cutman. Welcome to Level 7, a podcast about Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and the Marvel Cinematic Universe. It's a magical place. Hello there, folks. This is the Night Nurse bringing you all the smooth tunes that'll get you through the night. Snuggle up closely to that person next to you, and we're going to play some smooth jazz right now. Smooth jazz, if you're a Night Nurse. this My name's Daniel Butcher, and I have an upset tummy. <laughs> okay. Uh, well, yeah, I, okay, so I would, obviously I'm not but, the Night Nurse. I'm... Ben, Ben Avery, and I've been joined by Daniel Butcher, as he has said, and uh, this is Welcome to Level 7, a podcast about Marvel Cinematic Universe, and Daredevil is the topic of the day, and Daniel, your tummy, it's upset? Are you drinking I some Pepto-Bismol? Little... <laughs> <laughs> that's the cure, I guess. It is. It is. I just, I, today when I was watching uh, Daredevil, I was just thinking to myself, hey, you know what? That's why the Pepto-Bismol, it's for Night Nurse. I, I don't think I, I'm ever going to be able to look at it again. <laughs> I'm sorry. The same way. Because you're right. As I was watching, I was like, look at that Pepto-Bismol. Not the official sponsor of WelcomeToLevel7.com. No, but we'd take money from them if they were so, so to choose. Because I, do, I, I use Pepto-Bismol. I, I would endorse it, and I would not feel any bit of... Uh, moral quandary about it. I would endorse Pepto-Bismol. And I've gone to that big box store and bought a lot of Pepto-Bismol. Just saying. <laughs> All right. So, hey, we're here to talk about Daredevil. And this is the second episode, which features some really interesting things, like Night Nurse, although her name is different. Uh, and we'll talk about Night Nurse when we get to her. But for now... I think it's time for us to talk about some some news. What do you think? Sure. Whatever the name of that segment's called. Because <laughs> I can't remember. Oh, Daniel. Do you remember back in season one when you could never remember things like Mission Report? Daniel, we don't have a news segment. We have oh. opening statements. We have case evidence. We have witness testimony. And then the final verdict. We All don't right. have a news segment. Just play our ring. <laughs> yes, sad trombone. I got to use the sad trombone. All right. High five, buddy. Yay. High five. Okay. So quickly, Daniel, what's the news, man? You know what? We should well, we could tie it into the we could tie it into uh, the newspaper because it's not the Daily Bugle. I can't remember what the no, newspaper is. I can't remember what it's called either. We could tie it into that, but um, it's too late for that. I can't believe that. I feel so unprepared. Here, play the trombone one more time, and we'll use that as our sounder for news. Okay. It's time for the... News. All right, Daniel. Hey ben, I've got two quick news items for you. Good, because I don't have any. Today. Today. Today of recording, June 2nd, 2015, James Gunn completed the first draft of Guardians of the Galaxy 2. I saw that. That's a very exciting moment for a person to complete that first draft. He said he wrote it in 48 days. With no breaks. Yeah. 
that's that's not bad for a straight through writing. You know, probably 120 page script. I'm thinking later when he's rolling around in that money, it'll be all worth it. Maybe, maybe. I wrote a screenplay in a weekend once. 100 pages, two days. I was a very lonely man at that point in my life, and I would imagine. And we none of us thank you for Crocodile Dundee too. <laughs> oh come on now! It was. I know who wrote that. It's a podcaster. Oh really? Yeah, he podcasts on fantasy football. Well, I don't know him. I listen to his podcast. You do know a comic book writer, though. I do. You? Yeah. <laughs> I'm, yeah. Just, I'm just throwing that out there for you, Daniel. I mean, you, you actually know me. Humble brag. Yeah. Hey. Okay. Piece of news number two. Yes. Ready? Yep. Luke Mitchell is now a series regular for Marvel's Agents of Shield season three. Lincoln's coming Lincoln. back. Lincoln. Yes. Is this a surprise to anyone? Well, we need Secret Warriors. I don't... Is he a secret warrior? Well, I'm assuming he's number two. I mean, is he in the comics as a secret warrior? No. No, okay. No, 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 no. No, this is this is the mission statement from the final episode. We're going to gather some of these guys together. We're going to work together. We're going to protect these people. And Lincoln, of all the people that we saw from the Inhumans, Lincoln is the one who's like, you know what? I have a conscience. And... I'm not going to follow blindly, and I think I might have some feelings. Feelings. Da, 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 da. You think he's a hot mess over our girl? Wouldn't go that far, but I think there's feelings. All right. Well, that's really the only news we've got. There might be more, but we need to talk about some Daredevil. Yeah, and I'm kind of interesting to hear, interested to hear my phone call from weeks ago. <laughs> because I remember, you remember... How last time I had a feeling that maybe things had changed? I'm really wondering this week. Well, let's find out what we had to say. Back when we first watched this episode, each of us left a voicemail for ourselves. Ourselves. Ourselves, if it's too singular. Anyway. You're the um, writer, buddy. Here we go. Here's our actual sounder for for that segment. Opening statements. All right, Daniel. I, again, don't remember which one is which, but I have both of our voicemails lined up and ready to play. I like so, the fact that they could be random. It is almost random. So are you ready? I'm ready. Here comes voicemail number one from one of us about season one, episode two of Daredevil, right after we watched it. So this is instant reaction, our immediate feelings after watching the show. Hey, how you doing, Daniel? Hey, how you doing, M- me? Um, it's really awkward talking to myself like uh, uh, Anyway, I'm, I'm calling about uh, Cutman, uh, the, the second episode of the Daredevil series. You already know that because you've already listened to the opening of the podcast, and I'm calling from the past, but it's going to be put into the episode. Anyway, um there's a lot of rich thematic stuff in this episode that I really would like to talk about and I can't wait to talk about, but I am going to wait to talk about it until, you know, it's time to actually record. So I'm, I'm just going to say my, my biggest first impression of this episode, and that is that, again, pretty self-contained. Yeah, we had that kind of cliffhanger type of thing at the end of last episode going right into this episode. But when I look at this Cutman episode, um, first of all, we see, uh, 
young Matt being Jack's cut man. Uh, and then you see uh, old Matt getting a cut man, well, cut woman with uh, the fingers. But the other thing basically you see is that this is um, a little boy trapped in a room waiting for his dad, hoping for his dad to come to him. His dad's not coming to him. But you know what does go and get the little boy and bring the little boy out? Daredevil. I mean, this this is a really, really neat theme thing they've got going here. I'm sure we'll talk about it more. But um, this is this is a nicely done episode. And again, I, I'm glad we're getting this instead of a Daredevil movie. And I'm probably going to say that every time I call in. So maybe since I know that, I should probably just stop right now. But um, this, this theme, this idea of the boy trapped in the room and Daredevil having to go and get him out, well, that's the metaphor for Matt Murdock's life right now. He's been this trapped little boy, and he's now Daredevil as well, and Daredevil is pulling that little boy out, rescuing him, getting him out of there. Great stuff. I, I love it. I, I'm enjoying that. Uh, bloody, 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 but other than that, uh, this is so far two episodes in, I'm really enjoying it. That's, that's all I have to say. So now back to future me and Daniel. Bye, guys. Well, uh, Daniel, um, I don't have to talk anymore in this episode uh, because well, I pretty much said all I needed to say, I guess. I, I do feel like you're a little awkward when you call in. Like you in your past self didn't know how to deal with your future self. I always I, – I, I think you've seen enough sci-fi movies to know how to deal with future you. I, I'll just be honest with you, Daniel. Okay? I, I don't know how to really relate to myself in these other time periods. And it's just, it's just a personal issue that I'm just going to have to deal with. It, it totally feels honest when you say that. So, Are you ready to hear yourself? I am. Because you must be next. Agent Daniel here. Just got done watching episode two of Daredevil. And maybe it's just the mood I'm in. Maybe it's just the place in life I am. I mean, I've been out in the field, so I've been running around and a little tired. But episode two just didn't didn't excite me to the same extent that episode one did. So, I mean, I thought it was nice, nice character stuff going on. Um I enjoyed that. I enjoyed the night nurse uh, Mike interactions. Um, it's very, very realistic, and I do have to give it that. I mean, this this cop, uh, police officer, excuse me, who came to her door, I mean, yeah, uh, Matt's right. He knows. So it's not like she can just go back to her apartment. So I like the fact that it's very realistic, very grounded. I like the fact that Foggy and Karen are getting to know each other instead of it just full out being Matt Murdock, ladies' man, which is what I often see in the comics. Um, so it's nice to see that those two have a relationship kind of founding. And how nice of a guy Foggy is. You know, Foggy is being a good guy. Sure, he may have other intentions in mind, but he's being a good guy. Um, backstory origin on Daredevil, um, I was a little concerned where it looked like it that Jack fixed at least one fight. And that had me a little concerned for a bit. Um, but otherwise, it seems to be the, the fixer storyline. Um, so again, you know, I'm still with this series, still enjoying it, planning on watching another one today. 
I'm glad that I finally get to see some after it being out for six days. It took me that long to get to the second episode. So, uh, Daredevil, liking it, but not tense. Peace out later. Bye, agents. Not tense? I don't know who that guy was. Not tense? Is, is that a random stranger who called in? Not tense, and yeah, you know, it's okay. So, okay, so here's the deal. Last <laughs> week when I called in, I was like Mr. Happy Happy in the phone line. And yeah. Then when I listened, and I thought about it and watched it for a third time, I was like, eh, you know, I'm a little less enthused about episode one. So I watched episode two for the first second time today, and I really liked it. I mean, it's very different. It was very, quote-unquote, quiet, except for the end in many ways. But I really liked it. And so <laughs> I had a feeling that I may have flip-flop again. And it could, it, honestly, it could have been the mood that day. It just could have been my mood. All right, well, let's, let's actually talk about this episode then. Are you ready? Let's do it. All right. Case evidence. All right. So, Daniel, you, let's go through the plot here. And there's actually three storylines. Do you want to do it each storyline on their own, or do you want to intercut the way that they do Let, in the episode? Let's do each storyline on on its own because we can probably get to the heart of the matter quicker if we do that. Okay. All right. You want to start with the Daredevil storyline? You want to start with the Karen and Foggy storyline, or do you want to start with the flashback storyline? Let's do the flashbacks because that's earlier than everything else. Okay. So now the flashbacks don't go in uh, in order because we we do see Matt as a blind person before we see him as you know in in bed. But our first flashback with him is that we see Matt um, uh, uh, Jack coming home from losing a fight, and maybe we should go in order on this. In plot All order. right. Let's go I think we're going to have to because you know what? The flashbacks tie into the the, the present day so much. Let's just because go in it's order. Crafted. You know, let's do – let's talk about Foggy and Karen first. They're separate. Then we can talk about Matt, Night Nurse, and Jack. How does that sound? Works for me. Okay. So with Foggy and Karen, uh, <laughs> we we get a lot of the comic relief for this episode. And a lot of it does come from Foggy. But like you said, he's being a good guy. Our first scene with them is we see Karen Page unpacking the shop, the office. She's unpacking the stuff that Matt and Foggy just haven't gotten around to doing yet. And then we also hear some singing. It's Foggy. (laughs) He's singing. Is it Pirates of Pensas that he's singing? Dude, you're the musical guy, not me. I am, but I never really got into um, Gilbert and Sullivan. So, um yeah, I'm just going to assume it's Pirates of Penzaz, and, and if I'm wrong, I'm I'm wrong. But Are he's they singing like Lee and Kirby. No, he's singing at the top. Well, they're the Lee and Kirby of the the musical, um, uh, not genre medium. I don't know. They, they, yeah, they are like Lee and Kirby, but only really musical. So I guess so. Anyway, Foggy's singing, and he's not as musical as they they were, and you get this awkward moment where Karen realizes foggy realize doesn't know that she's there. She yells out to him. He comes out. They have you know, some cute interplay. And she, he says, did you hear that? And she says, no. And oh, the right answer was yes. And it sounded magnificent. Um, but he can tell something's wrong. So they decide to go out for a night on the town. 
because she shouldn't be there working. He's there. Is he sleeping there? I, I, I don't mean, think he is. He's, think there he's there because he's got nowhere else to go. He's a partner. It's his building. It's his office. He can do what he wants. True. Exactly. He's the boss man. Yeah. But uh, because she's there and he noticed, I mean, she doesn't want to go home. She doesn't want to go home. And so he decides, you know what? Let's go. Let's have a night on the town. And so they're going to go out for drinks. And where do they go? They go to Josie's. And it's a, it's a not date. You know, it's one of those cute things. Again, cute moments. They have cute interplay. But we do get some of the darkness with how Karen is feeling with her phrase. The, the sentence that stuck out to me was, I don't see the city anymore. All I see are its dark corners. Because she's been attacked. She's, she's been traumatized. And she doesn't want to go home because she was attacked in her home and there's a blood stain in her carpet that she can't get up. It just won't go away. So then they try and go and see Matt and try to wake him up, but he's not answering. He's not there. And so they go and they start walking together. There's a great line that Foggy gives that just... I'm, I'm relating to Foggy, and we can talk about that in a moment, but here's the line he gives uh, when she says, should we go home now? And he says, I will never go home because you know, you've, you've freaked me out. And he says... Uh, he said, men are waiting in the dark corners of this world to prey on us. The valiant, the kind-hearted. We must band together. We must never sleep. We must remain vigilant. And yeah, it's goofy. And yeah, he's being goofy. But at the same time, in some ways, this is the romantic center of a superhero story. You know, we can do it. If we get together, if we band together, we can overcome and in some ways, I think there's some theme going into this actual, you know, 13 episodes of Daredevil banding together, working together. Everyone's solo right now. But by the end, we're going to have people being honest with each other and talking with each other and working together. So that's that's their little story arc. I don't know um, what other moments you want to to pull out of there, but there's some stuff there that I, I do want to talk about with, with Fo- Foggy's character, especially. Well, again, I think this is the point, and I, I felt that way back then, that we begin to really like Foggy. Because he is, in effect, a good guy. Karen has real concerns. Karen has lived horrible things. And she's got trauma that's been very, very recent for her. And instead of, you know, trying to say, you know, rub some dirt on it and walk it off. He's spending time with her. Honestly, he's showing her literally that the scary sides of New York and Hell's Kitchen aren't as scary as she thinks. And so for me, a real key moment for this is when he goes around Josie's bar. And everybody in Josie's bar has a story. Even the guy that he says is, you know, that guy's really kind of a bad guy. But we're going to get his kid into St. Agnes's. Yeah. <laughs> and and so again these people all look rough they all look scary they all look like they are nasty people but everyone here has got something behind them that is good and then the other thing about foggy is is he knows them all and he's connected to all of them yes this is his home yes he li- he's from hell's kitchen he knows everyone's story 
and he's helping Karen to connect the dots so maybe she can feel a little bit more comfortable in her own skin. Yeah, and that's a great point there. I mean, he's he and Matt are in Hell's Kitchen because that's where they came out of is Hell's Kitchen. And they want to help make the place a, a better place. And they help Josie with the leans on her on the bar. And, of course, that's that gives – again, these are all funny lines. He's pretty much just throwing out funny lines you know, and that's why we get free drinks for life. And she's, you do not get free drinks for life. Let's agree to disagree. <laughs> it's fun stuff. I, I find but myself. It's not like Josie's, are, Josie's not arguing with him because she knows him. Right, right. She's going to charge him. And he's <laughs> going to pay. And he's going to pay. But he's still going to say that, you know. And and, and yeah, he's, he's obviously been to Josie's often. And yeah, it's a. It's home. This is his home. And he he's inviting Karen in. I, I was about to say that myself. I think that's exactly right. He's inviting her into Hell's Kitchen. She has seen an ugly side of New York, and he's trying to show her the good side of an ugly side of New York. Yeah. Uh, juxtaposed. We're not talking about it yet, but juxtaposed against what's going on with uh, Daredevil and, and his his date. <laughs> Um, which is an ugly side of New York, and it's pretty awful. But so here, Daniel, I I am relating to Foggy though. I feel like Foggy. I shouldn't say I feel like Foggy. I'm in a different part of life now. But I have felt like Foggy, you know, where um, just kind of I'm awkward. I'm um, I'm I'm I I understand myself i know my weaknesses i know my strengths um i have humor and i have had i remember this this took me back these these new york scenes took me back to different times in college especially where it was just late nights just me a girl walking and laughing and talking and just getting to know each other and you know you're right the intentions were, yeah, this is a girl and I'm a guy and you know what? I kind of like her, you know, but I'm also going to just enjoy my time with her and I'm not going to force the issue. I'm not going to, you know, give some sort of grand gesture or grand statement of my emotions or whatever. It's just, just time, you know, and just having fun and that where you're up way too late and you're both really tired, but you don't want to leave, you know, you don't want to, so you just keep walking, you know, down the river or you just keep, um, walking down the, the city sidewalk or whatever. And I, I like this. This is a nice moment and a surprising moment for me because I thought with, after the interplay with Karen and Matt last episode that that's the direction we were going in. And I was wondering, okay, and we aren't talking about where it goes, but I'm wondering, okay, are we watching Foggy just set himself up you know, for, for heartbreak or whatever? Um, and well. it's, it's a nice moment though it's a fun it's a fun set of scenes and it does break up what could be tense i mean i'm not sure if it is tense because i you're my barometer daniel and so uh, i don't know we'll I get was, to that I, I was still not relatively tense okay but it, it breaks up the seriousness and it breaks up the bloodiness and it breaks up the just the, the I, horribleness. I mean, your story made me tense because we also know in that story the thing you're not saying is even though you're just hanging out you're still kind of interested in that girl <laughs> oh, i said that I, I i said that yeah but you know what i mean yeah I mean, no and 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 most of the time 
it and ended Foggy's up totally, totally just, into this girl. Yeah. And, and for me, most of the time, it ended up like that was a great evening. Bye. You were so fun. <laughs> now let me call my boyfriend. A sad trombone. Uh, I don't want to play the sad trombone on that because that hit a little too close. Dude, I can only say it because I understand it. <laughs> but my, but hey, we're happily married men. That's true. We're and, allowed to read comic books. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm, you know, I am looking back. And, and so the stuff with Foggy for me as a 40-year-old man who is married and has children, and that, that part of my life is over. I'm not going to go back to that. But I'm kind of reliving it with foggy and just kind of it's fond memories of, of these fun times and uh, where there wasn't as much pressure and you know, the, the pressure of a real deep relationship or in, in the case of a 40 year old man right now, the pressure of, okay, I've got to provide for my family and um, make sure everything's going to be okay. And, and make sure my wife is doing well and make sure that I'm not doing horrible <laughs> so that my my wife doesn't hold my burdens on her shoulders, you know? And so it's, it's a different time of life, but it was nice to kind of have those kind of nostalgic feelings, I guess, come back. Bottom line though, I like foggy. I'm liking Karen. I think she's nice. You know, I, I think that she's not annoying, which is what I was expecting her to be. So, and I'll be honest, Karen and me, we just aren't, we're not simpatico yet. Yeah, you're you're just thinking about someone else right now, aren't you? Maybe, maybe I'm thinking about a six one six Karen. Maybe I've been able to put six one six Karen out of my mind. But speaking of the six one six, should we talk about Josie's for just a quick moment here? Go ahead. Josie's is a real place in the six. <laughs> Josie's is a real place in a fake universe. <laughs> um, oh. Josie's is a is a place though that that is a primary stomping grounds for a lot of daredevil stories it's it's uh josie is a recurring character in the daredevil series and from what i understand i've only seen a couple i've only read a couple comics that had josie's in it most of the time i think if i remember correctly the there ends up being like a bar fight um with like turk or or someone but it it tends to be like a, a seedier place where where you have more your 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 thugs and your your gangsters or whatever who who are coming gangsters there. Gangsters and thugs. Yeah. So, but it it is a place that that is a um, important place in the Daredevil mythos. I know that much. And Josie is a real character then from from that area as well. Yes, so, she is a real fictional character. That's right. I, a real character. That's that's a truism right there. She exists as a character. Therefore, she's a real character. I didn't say she's a real person. Daniel, okay, stop. Okay, I'll calm down. Yeah, yeah. Passive aggressive mockery of of me. So you've met me then? <laughs> I have, I have, and yet I'm still here. So you're doing After something 99 right. Ninety nine episodes. Yeah, still you're here. Doing something right. Feeling insulted. <laughs> so yeah. Any other any final thoughts here about this section, or and then we'll move on to the night nurse no, daredevil. I, I, area. I wish we had seen the fish auction. I'm kind of glad we why. didn't, but yeah, I understand why we're not seeing the fish auction, but <laughs> it's a funny idea in my head. Yeah. Yeah. That's one of those. Let's, let's tell and not show. It's, yeah, it's, exactly. it's, it's like why they don't show the alien 
very much in the movie Alien because your imagination is going to do a much better job than what film could do. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's what that is. All right. You ready then to talk about the meat of this episode, which is the Daredevil Night Nurse double date? Not double date. Do it. It's a parallel date. Let's put it that way. So we open the episode with a classic Law and Order opening. You know what I'm talking about? No, because I've never seen Law and Order. Oh, my goodness. Every episode of Law and Order starts out with just some people. You get this mini story of this you know, person who's just going about his life and all of a sudden stops in his tracks because he's seen a crime. And maybe it's not Law and Order that I'm thinking of. Maybe it's Law and Order Criminal Intent. I think it's Criminal Intent. Maybe it's Law and Order L.A. <laughs> no, it is Law and Order, and, and it's really all of those shows where they come across some sort of crime. Are you talking about Law and Order uh, Quad Cities? No, Law and Order doesn't do places. Oh. Yeah, you're, you're thinking of CSI, which I don't oh, watch. So I need, like, like <sighs> CSI an adjective, so, like, <laughs> Law and Order Happy. No, you, you want, like, Law and Order Parking Patrol, you know, or Ooh. Law and Order... Special victims, yeah. But it starts out where you just have the sounds of the city, a guy minding his own business, and he walks up, hears a noise in a dumpster, and sees a dude laying there bleeding and moaning. And then you cut, in Law and Order, you cut to the cops, and they'd be investigating, and then there'd be some sort of pithy, you know, one-liner, and then we go straight to, to credits. Here we just go straight to credits. Afterward, the guy who found him has also found a nurse. And has brought, so they bring bring him up to this nurse's apartment, and he refuses to go to a hospital. And as he falls down, he falls into a flashback. So, before we get into the flashback, any any kind of comments here? I mean, it's a good opening. Makes you wonder what happened. Exactly, it's a very comic book. See, you call it Law and Order. I call it a comic booky open. Well, you, or you'll get those first page or two, and then it'll say earlier. Yeah, it, it's it's starting in the middle of the action, yep. you know, and and that's and, and with comic books, the reason they do that is so that they can start with something interesting and not have to do the build up to get to the interesting thing. You start with the interesting thing, and then you flash back to the build up, and and build and then build it up back to that interesting thing when you get to the end. So it's interesting because when you pick up a book, you know, you open it up, open the front page. Oh, that's interesting. I wonder how we got there. I'm going to spend my 75 cents on a comic book in 1983. I was going to say, wow, 75 cents. Yeah. Um, But here the flashbacks don't take us back to where the stuff happened to him. We get that in a spoken exposition. Instead, we're going into flashbacks about him and his dad. And so the first flashback he he falls and his dad has fallen. He's lost a fight, and he comes home and he's talking to him. And, you know, saying, "Did you do your homework? You listened to the fight. Why were you listening to the fight? You should have been doing your homework." And uh, and you get some words of wisdom and, and that kind of thing. Um, and there's some good lines there. And it, it does establish an important thing here from from the comics, which is that Jack doesn't want his son to follow his path. Right. And so the homework is important to Jack because this is Matt's ticket out of Hell's Kitchen. Well, is it, I think it might be from the other the, from the Daredevil movie, but it's like you, you need to be hitting the books, not hitting people or something like that. But yeah, and, and here's where you get 
um, an interesting couple of, of, like I said, words of wisdom. Um, anyone who gets into that ring deserves respect because it ain't how, what is it? Uh, it ain't how hard, it ain't how you hit the mat. It's how you get up. You know, it's all about getting up. You can get knocked down, but get back up again. And that's a driving force behind our character in this episode, especially, but then throughout the rest of the series. Spoiler, he gets hit more and gets... <laughs> You've ruined the whole show. I know, I know. I shouldn't have said that. I shouldn't. I'm so sorry. If you are following along with us and watching as we release, I really apologize for, for giving that away. But, uh, but it does become a, it's, it's a part of his character. And he references it a couple times later in this episode, but uh, his dad can take a beating. And his dad, he would take the beating and he would get back up again. And so... No, nobody's going to hold him down. Okay, I can't sing and remember the words of songs. <laughs> what do you... Nobody's, nothing's going to hold you down? I'm trying to think. I get, I get knocked down and I get up again. Oh, I don't that know song. What was that Chubba Wubba? Yeah, something like that. Something like that. So then we go back, and Matt is with the nurse. Well, do we know she's a nurse yet? Not yet. Well, in fact, and this is, this is the scene where he asks, are you a doctor? And she says something like that. <laughs> like, are you a doctor? I, I think if I was a nurse and someone asked me, are you a doctor? I'd say, no, I'm a nurse. But or I might have said, I'm a veterinarian. Maybe. If, if you were a veterinarian, yes. That's what you would say. It's true. Um. She figures out he's blind. He's not talking. He won't give her his name. And so she decides to call him Mike. Now, Daniel, I've heard people get excited about her calling him Mike because she had a boyfriend named Mike who was good with secrets. And do you know what I've heard people saying about this? All right. Which agent? Mike Peterson. That she was dating Mike Peterson. But that's not what got me excited about this. I was going to say, I'm not going to buy that because wasn't Mike from L.A.? I don't know. I don't care. Because that's not what got me excited. When she called him Mike. Now, I haven't read these comics, but I have listened to a podcast that has referenced these particular issues I'm about to talk about right now. Please tell me this isn't Matt Murdock's uh, fake twin. It is. Oh no! Isn't it Mike? Uh, Mike Murdoch. I can't remember what his name is. I'm pretty sure Mike Murdoch is his fake twin. <laughs> Daniel, come on, man! Tell me this isn't great crazy. I'm just saying, there's a reason I've never read those. This is the good kind of crazy. Okay. Explain it to the good people, <laughs> sir. Okay. So people saw Matt Murdoch as Daredevil, and. So his, his, his secret identity was revealed. This is way early on, right? And so to, to cover it up, he created a fake identity as his own twin brother who is not blind because, you know, he can pass off himself as not being blind and who is like just this really kind of, I don't know, I haven't read these. You know, this is again, this is secondhand. So I, I'm, I'm trying to describe this from what I remember listening to a podcast about it, you know, eight months ago, I think. But um, so it's his fake twin brother. So he is pretending to be his twin brother who is then going to be Daredevil. And that way, 
people won't know it's him. It's brilliant. <laughs> and I, again, haven't read this, but I believe this, the way the story goes is that he fakes his twin brother's death. Uh, Daredevil stays around, but he fakes his twin brother's death because he has to, you know, quit that noise, man. That's, that's just, that's just crazy. But she gives him the name Mike and it's perfect then. I, I laughed out loud the first time I heard it because I'm just thinking, wait a minute, Ma- Mike as in Matt's twin. That was my note there. So anyway, yeah, my thoughts didn't go to Mike Peterson. Other people's did. And if it was Mike Peterson, uh, I'd be okay, I guess. But that is stretching it a little far for me. It doesn't work. What? I just think geographically it doesn't work. But I think it's wishful thinking. No, now couldn't that be him going off and being the the lonely but man? I don't think Mike is really interested in dating after he gets his fake leg. Maybe she helped him on a mission because she's the night nurse, even though she's not well, yet. I'd like to see it in a comic. Boom. You're not going to. Bam. <laughs> you never know what you're going to see in a comic. True, true. Listen to episode 100. Ben doesn't even know what's coming. I don't. We're going to be talking about comics, and there's some sort of comic that Daniel's read that he wants to talk about, but that I don't know what it is. So we'll we'll find out. That's a little teaser. Speaking of Night Nurse, though, Night Nurse is a comic we're going to be talking about in the next episode as well, along with a lot of listener feedback. Uh, who is Night Nurse? Well, she is from a comic that was geared towards female readers in the 70s, and she was just a nurse who had two other nurse friends and there were four issues, but then Brian Michael Bendis brought her back as a character and her character's name was Linda Carter, which is also the the name of the actress who played Wonder Woman, which came after the comic. So that might be part of why they didn't use her much back then in the seventies after that. But, um, he brought her back as a nurse who is specifically, she helps people who are heroes and so heroes can be in New York heroes who get hurt can go to her like Spider-Man like Daredevil and yeah you know and I've actually it's a great concept her, I've actually seen her in Jessica Jones the the series that I reviewed as a comic file she's actually in that doing just that she has got uh, a hero under her protection and under her medical care because the hero community doesn't feel safe in the wake of Nick Fury's secret war against Latveria. Yeah, it's a great concept. It's, uh, you know, this is someone you go to. She was helped by a hero. And therefore, she wants to return the favor. And so you can trust her. She's not going to reveal your secret identity. Um, you know, anytime a superhero goes to a hospital and they, like, operate on this person without taking the mask off, it's a cheesy trope. It's a nice trope in some of the comic that's meant to be kind of cheesy. Like, I'm not going to take Batman's mask off while I do, you know, while I remove his appendix because I respect him and I I want to respect his secrets as well. But, you know, Ben, I'm pretty sure I saw that in Frank Miller Daredevil where Daredevil's in the hospital for a long time and nobody takes his mask off and nobody questions where Matt is. Again, it's a silly trope. It is a silly trope. And it works well when it's done in a silly manner, in you know, in the vein of a you know a '66 Batman kind of thing that I can accept. 
Uh, Frank Miller's Daredevil? I don't know. I, I don't know if that's as acceptable to me, but Night Nurse is someone you can go to, and she specifically will not do that because she's you trust her. You're, you're able to go to her. And here we see the beginnings of that. And I believe she's going to... I think she's going to be brought back in also known as Jessica Jones. I, I'm positive she's being brought back in second season of Daredevil. Oh, I'm pretty sure she's... I think I saw something that says she's coming back to see a season two. That's why I say I'm positive, because I think I saw something. This is not me you know, making some off-the-wall That's statement, right, like we're going to see more of Kingpin... Agent Ben breaking the news. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so we've got two people with secrets, though. She, they, they both kind of say, you know, let's just say I'd rather not tell you much about myself. And, and she does the same kind of thing. And I do kind of wonder, okay, what is it about her that she doesn't want to reveal? And, but they're both, you know, just not talking about their past. So let's go see some past. And we go back, and young Matt is in the hospital in a flashback and he can't deal with not being able to see. He can't deal with all the noises being so loud. And it's this great moment where he, his dad just kind of centers him and his dad kind of is his center. You know, his, you you see not only how important his dad is to him because of just that father son relationship, but because he comes and he says, stop, I'm right here. It's okay. I'm right here. And Matt's able to calm down somewhat from his panic attack that he's having because he can't see. And we go from that panic attack to Matt having a panic attack in in the present day. He can't breathe. And he's panicking because he's not breathing because his lungs are collapsing or whatever. So anything you want to say more about the, the dad stuff before you move on, though? No, I... I- we're not quite done with the dad stuff. So far, the dad stuff is good. Um, and it, again, nicely crafted. It's interplaying with the regular story. So we've got parallels working throughout the entire episode. Yeah. Yeah. So here he is. <laughs> she gives him TV emergency procedures. And, you know, she pierces his side or whatever to release the pressure in his lungs and. I don't I don't know how well that works. I haven't seen a Mythbusters or anything about that. <laughs> I just know I've seen that a lot on TV where it's like, the lung is collapsing. Hurry, get a ballpoint pen. Take the ink out. Stick it in there. We got a tracheotomy. All right. But I she, thought she had an actual needle. Well, she goes into his side. Yeah, no, I'm, t- I'm just saying in general. The trope. Yeah, okay, this isn't MASH. We all know how you feel about, you know, harassing doctors. I, I loved that show until I found out really what was going on there. But... She uh she hits the the side there, opens it up, lets out the whatever the air is or whatever that's building up, and saves his life. And then we get exposition about what happened. And what happened? Remember the kid who was kidnapped last episode? It was a trap. And basically, the Russians were setting a trap to get the man in black to come. And the man in black came, tracking down the boy, and they beat him up. And that's how he ended up beaten up in the dumpster. While he's talking, he smells a guy. Smells a guy coming. And, uh, yeah, they're getting ready because this guy who's coming, he's up to no good. Started making trouble in the neighborhood. Got in one little fight, and Nightmare got scared and said, okay, I'm going to stop right there. Yeah, pretty much. Thanks. We get another flashback. 
This is the bad news flashback. Not the bad event flashback, but the bad news flashback. Jack is practicing. Matt's doing his homework. We find out that French doesn't have a W, which I think it kind of does. It's called double V, right? <laughs> double V. They call it double V. I remember this in French class that the okay. French actually called double U double V. Unless I, I hated French class, so I'll be honest, I don't remember. Well, we're talking more than twenty years ago now, Daniel. But I'm pretty sure they have a W. But anyway, maybe they didn't back in the 1800s when Braille was invented. And I say 1800s, not knowing the exact date. Please don't correct me if I'm wrong, unless you want to. Fun fact, Matt, uh, Ben. <laughs> Fun fact, Ben. I've photocopied Braille. Yes, you used to work in like a, a library or an archive kind yep, of thing, I right? used to work in a state uh, library for the blind. Yeah. That is a fun fact, kind of. And FYI, if you wanted to know... The Braille copies of Playboy do not have pictures or outlines. Okay. It's good to know. Hey, when you're a teenager, you got to look. <laughs> okay. Seriously, if there's a Braille copy of something like that laying around, don't you have to look just out of curiosity's sake? Yeah, I guess so. I'll, I'll say this, Daniel. In my contract for one of my graphic novel series that I signed... There was exclusive rights that were given to the publisher for a variety of different things for this graphic novel series, and one of the exclusive rights were the were the Braille rights. So that, yeah, Braille graphic novel. I'm, I'm sure there's a way for that to exist. I just don't know if there is, and and that's why I told my 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 editor, I said, I want this to happen i want i want to see what this looks like i'd like to you know this would be awesome and maybe it'd be something like uh and this is something that daredevil has from netflix or i think the first series that has uh descriptive Mm -hmm. um descriptive audio descriptive audio for the blind where you can you know you watch it but you actually then are, are getting the descriptive audio um funny story i had a friend who didn't understand why frozen had so much narration in it because when they put in the DVD, they had the descriptive audio on, and they thought that was the way it was released. <laughs> so, but anyway, Daredevil, I think that that's really um, appropriate to have Daredevil be, I think, the first Netflix series to have descriptive audio for the blind as, a, as an that's option. That's kind of cool. That really yeah. is kind of cool. Yeah. So, uh, we managed to bring it back to Daredevil. So, that's good. Uh, so, then uh, some bad guys come. And they tell Jack to throw a fight. They're, they got a fight with Creel, which is apparently a huge, huge get. And Jack is excited until they say he's going to go down on the fifth. And meanwhile, all the agents are excited because we know that name, Crusher Creel. And he is a young up-and-comer, I guess, because I don't know how long ago this was. But he, he must have been early in his career, but he was... Apparently, still, uh, you know, able to take a hit and and give one out too. So, this is a huge get, though. You know, this this is a career making move for Jack if he can, you know, fight this guy, and win. But he's told to go down on the fifth, and Matt doesn't see the meaningful looks that his father is giving him as he's trying to decide what do I do here? Do I do what they tell me to do, or do I do what? I want to do for Matt. 
you know, do I, which side here do I play? Uh, but I think Matt hears the conversation. I feel like he hears it. I don't know. They never really indicate that, I don't think. But in my mind, he's hearing it. He's Let's hearing. be honest. Matt's a little stalker with those ears of his. He hears everything. Yeah. So Matt's dad has just been told to throw a fight. But Matt, in the present day, is getting ready to go into a fight. He is trying to get he gets a butcher knife. And he's going to go after Cologne Man. But, you know, Night Nurse, and I probably should, re- I don't, I didn't actually write down her real name. It's not Claire. Linda Carter. Claire? It's Claire. Claire. Claire then says, no, 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 I'll take care of this. I'll get rid of this guy. Guy comes to the door, shows a badge, tells him, hey, or tells her, rather, this guy shot this place up, and we're looking for him. He's wearing a black mask, blah, blah, blah. Do you see anything? And she says, no. She does an okay job lying. He leaves. Um, but, of course, Matt realizes this guy's not leaving. He's he's calling in reinforcements. He and this is where we get really. Well, he did not just realizes it; he hears it. Yeah. Well, and so we get this really interesting moment then, where he gets a fire extinguisher, stands in the stairwell, and just waits until the perfect moment, drops the fire extinguisher, and you hear a pretty wet, sick thud. I thought the guy was dead. I was positive he was dead the first time I saw it. Well, we if we had our science friends here from Fitz's crew, we could probably figure out the acceleration that it was falling at. Well, I'm pretty sure he could be dead. And from the sound effect, I thought he would be dead. But for the story, it was obvious that he should not be dead because, well, we're going to get to that in a moment here. But it's a nasty moment. <laughs> it's just a sick wet thud and when we come back daredevil has the russian strung up and he's he's gonna terrorize this guy he's he's gonna he's gonna torture him yeah and i I think torture is a very apt word that's really what he's doing here it is absolutely torture which is very unsuperhero-ish i mean this is not the way colson would go no no it's the way batman would go I could see Batman going this way. I could see Batman doing this, yeah. Definitely Fury, yeah. But this is not how AC would have treated the situation. No, and it's also not how Night Nurse would handle the situation. She's got a conscience. For now. What? Well, for the moment. She's got a conscience, and she is upset about what's going on here. And there's there's some confrontation here. Well, I think she's partially upset because she knows that something even though he says he's willing to do and wants to do, it's really not in his heart. No, and and he's wondering, okay, if you're so against me, why are you helping me? And she's she works as a nurse at night, um, but she's uh, had people come in who have been either hurt by the man in black as they were committing a crime or helped by the man in black as a crime was being committed against them. And so she's on his side because she's heard about him. And so that's why when they bring him in at the beginning and she realizes who he is, she's wanting to help him because he's he's helped people in Hell's Kitchen in the city. So 
our flashback goes back to Jack getting his robe, Matt doing his homework, get a great uh, quote from, from Thurgood Marshall that, again, Foggy's quote about the men are waiting in the dark corners of this world to prey upon us or whatever. That's uproarious and it's it's loud and it's it's uh you know a, a grand statement of heroism and and teamwork uh the thurgood marshall one I, i'm wondering where this quote came from we're going to hear it again but there's a price to be paid for division and isolation democracy cannot flourish amid hate justice c- cannot take root amid rage we must dissent from the indifference we must dissent from the apathy we must dissent from the fear and Daredevil's nickname, the the tagline for his book, The Man Without Fear. You must get rid of the fear, descent of the fear. And it's it's a, a another mission statement for what this series is about, I think. Is you know being fearless. Being fearless, not being apathetic, uh not being indifferent, not giving into rage, but uh, you know, Looking for justice. But when you say not giving into rage, that's what's clear what Claire's picking up on is he is giving into rage. Yes. But he is also ambivalent. He is not wanting to give into rage. You know, he's he still has that that sense of justice. He still has that sense of morality, I guess. Um she knows. He he lies. He he tells the Russian, I enjoy this, you know, I'm not just doing this to find the the kid i'm doing this because i enjoy it and she says no you don't this is a good friday night for me (laughs) exactly exactly so uh here's the other thing though jack gets his red robe and you know which that's an important element uh in in the daredevil mythos is that his father has a what red robe and that's kind of you know has like the devil horns on the robe it doesn't i I didn't see actual devil horns on this robe, but they kind of shape the hood so you can see, like in the shadow, you can see there's there's the impression in in there of devil horns, but it's not actually you know, sticking out of the hood, um, you know, like stuffed horns or something like that. But um, but the other thing is that he's at the gym and he makes a phone call and he's preparing for Matt's future. He to is sa- to a lady. Yes, we don't know yeah. who. It's someone that, that he knows, but he is preparing to have Matt be taken care of because, well, he's not going to do this thing. It, could it be Mom? Could I don't think so though. Well, the thing about Mom is, you know, Jack raises him, but the comics establish that Mom is actually still alive, even though you don't see her. Yeah, the comics established that she like goes to a nunnery, I think. Yes. Yeah. I wasn't going to spoil it. Oh, well, I mean, we're talking about 40-year-old comics. But you're kind of liberal on your views about spoiling 40-year-old comics though. Well, I've learned anything. I I don't spoil the things I don't want to spoil. Let's put it that way, I guess. When it comes down to 40-year-old things. Don't worry, later tonight I'll spoil a 40-year-old comic. I will, too. But mine probably won't be as exciting. Because it's called Night Nurse. 
So anyway, um, this is where I wonder, is Matt's dad actually just committing suicide at this point? I think that Jack understands the consequences of what he's doing. Mm-hmm. I don't necessarily think he wants to die, but he understands that he's putting himself at risk and he needs to protect Matt. Could he just leave? I mean, this is where I, I look at the situation and think, okay, is this a no-win scenario? That he's saying, okay, I can either take a fall or not. If I take a fall, I get money. But, you know, if I don't take the fall, I, I can get money, you know, from the winnings. But I'm, I'm going to probably get killed. And so he's, he's taking the he, – he's, he's making plans because he doesn't know – he, he's intending to get away. I mean he is intending to win the fight and get out of there quickly uh, before they have a chance to kill him. But they, they do, um, which technically we haven't gotten to that yet in the, in the story. But this is where – okay, is he calling and making this phone call because he knows he's going to die? Is this avoidable? Is this just suicide? Uh, you know, mm-hmm. I don't know. Death by gangster. You know, I, and, and I think he's very well aware of the consequences of his choices. So we go back to the present. The Russian wakes up. We get the torture. Um, this is where <laughs> we get the torture. You say it so casually. Well, I, that's because I wanted to get past the torture and get to Night Nurse. In a costume. Now, I don't know if she ever wears a costume in the comics. I haven't read much comics with her doing the superhero thing. I've only read the four-issue miniseries of her doing the nursing thing in the 70s. But she's wearing this, and it's a great con, uh, a great juxtaposition. Uh, Matt is wearing black. Black mask, black outfit, you know, everything covered except for his mouth. Um it's not super intimidating to me, though. You know, it, it feels more like a ninja costume or something like that. It's battle fatigues. It's, uh, you know, hiding his identity, but it's not scary unless he's coming at you, like, getting ready to, to like, well, torture you <laughs> or punch you in the face or whatever. Um, but Claire, in all white, with her hood... And then just a cloth with eye holes cut out of it. That's horror movie stuff, man. I mean, that's that's when uh, you know an independent movie maker says we need to get our Jason, we need our Freddy. You know, oh, I know. Let's do Ghostface or something. Ah, Ghostface, you mysterious and yet undefined person. Exactly. And so the Russian wakes up and he sees Daredevil, who he's already you know dealt with. And he sees Night Nurse, which I'm thinking, this is awesome. Night Nurse has a costume. <laughs> I'm, I'm calling her by her superhero, quote, superhero name. Uh, but it's it's scary. And yet it's white. And so you have this light and dark, you know, juxtaposition as well. Where you you have the conscience, her, you know, the light side. And then you have the darkness and the rage. On you know for Matt and it's it's a really interesting juxtaposition to me, but that costume it's scary. I'm sorry, Night Nurse in that costume, it's the kind of it's a nightmare thing. It, you know, Night Nurse nightmare. I'm telling you, she's a ghost. She's ghostly. She's an apparition. 
You might be overstating it, but go ahead, continue. I'm just going to say that now uh, Matt ramps up the torture, and it gets worse, and he does get the information out of the guy of where the boy is found. And so from there, we go to Jack's fight, where we see the fight as Matt sees the fight by hearing the voices on the TV. We don't see Matt take down Crusher Creel. We hear it, and we see... I mean, we don't see Jack, rather, take down Crusher Creel. We hear it, and we see Matt getting excited for the fight. And then from there, we hear a single gunshot. After the fight's over, we see Jack going to run away. And then we cut to Matt, who's fallen asleep at the table, waiting for his dad, uh, mirroring the way he waited for his dad earlier on. And we hear a single gunshot. Matt opens his eyes, wakes up, and we know what has happened. We know that his dad is, is gone. His dad is dead. So, should we stop here and then talk about the final scene, the final fight? Sure. Okay. The so, epic final fight? Yeah, more about the dad. Uh, anything more here you want to talk about the dad or about the torture or about the... Well, I, Which, I by mean, the way, next seems... episode we have some feedback that kind of uh, is going to call me out about, I guess, my views on torture but anyway keep going um i mean it's pretty true to the matt murdoch from the comic books and every version not Matt, yeah jack murdoch pretty true to every version of jack murdoch that we've seen caring father concerned about the future gets in with the fixer bad choices and so and i and i mean there's definitely a moral lesson there I'm not sure what it is now that i think about it <laughs> Well, I mean, here's the thing. You you get this character of Jack who has this kind of moral code. I, I think that's really what it comes down to is he has a moral code that he's going to follow. And he's not going to go down. He's not going to fake going down. He is When he gets knocked down, it's going to be a legitimate knockdown. It's going to be a legitimate knockout. And... If he gets knocked down and he is going and he can get back up again, he's going to get back up again. And that's the lesson he wants his son to get is when you get knocked down, you get back up again, which I'm also not going to sing that song because I hate that song, man. Why'd you put that in my head, Daniel? You put the song in my head. No, you put it in my head. Well, you didn't have to bring it out of your head and put it back in mine. But anyway, uh, that's the that's the the life lesson that Jack can impart onto his son. You get back up. You keep fighting. You keep on fighting. And we got it last episode too. You know, that, that just that simple statement of let's get to work, Matt, or something like that. And it, that voice speaks to him in the present where he gets back up again to finish the fight in, in the first episode. So, all that said, I there's certain things with certain origins of superheroes that you, you know, they just don't they're just you don't change it, and this is one of those things you don't change it. If you're gonna have Daredevil and, and retell that story, then part of that story is his dad was told to take a fall, and he didn't, and he was killed by by bad guys. Boom, true. Yeah. Um. I, I look at that and I just feel like it's just a little too 
simplistic. I haven't seen that portrayed in a way that I really, and this is my only nitpick with this episode is I haven't seen that story portrayed in a way that really rings true for me anymore. And there's others like that, you know, like Superman's parents, you know, why couldn't his dad just build a ship that actually can fit maybe two adults in it as well? I, I don't know, you know, but that's always going to bug me now whenever I see anyone tell that story, any reason they give for his parents staying on the planet to die and send their child off to, you know, fend for itself as a baby. Uh, that's that's going to stick with me. And, and this is the same thing here. I feel like Jack is unintentionally, but purposefully abandoning his his son by his choices. He's, he's, I can totally see your point. And, and that, that bothers me a little bit about the origin story. Not about Matt, because it does feed into Matt's motivations and how he does things. Uh, it just bothers me about Jack, uh, about his father. So, Well, and is that tied into the fact that you yourself are a father? I think and it ties... don't want to feel as if you're neglecting your child. Let's, let's put you on the couch, Ben. No, no, no. You're, you're on the right track, Daniel. But it really feeds into the fact that um, I myself am a son. And my father didn't abandon us. But I did have that fear sometimes, as any child does, of, of abandonment. And and I think that's what the, I look at this and think, okay, if my dad did this, uh, how would I feel? You know, I, Let's be blunt. Everybody's going to face abandonment issues. In the last week, I've lost my professional lacrosse team, which is now moving to Atlanta, Georgia. I'm sorry, my friend. I'm very I, upset. I... I am going to sympathize with you by trying to imagine how that feels to have some sort of emotional response to a sporting event team. Thank you. <laughs> but anyhow, yeah. So let, should we move on then to this final battle and then we'll get to our uh, witness testimony? Let's do it. Okay. So Matt finds out where the kid is. He fights a bunch of goons and he then rescues the little boy and walks away. So that's that's the end of the episode. Yeah, that Thoughts? really explains it. Um, to be honest, that really explains it. I mean, that is what happens. Now, obviously, there's a lot more to it than that. It's artfully done. Um, I, I do think it's interesting. He has his uh, um, his hands wrapped, so he is kind of channeling his father in some ways as he goes up to fight against these guys. But this is a single shot. This is a single take. We are following this fight, and f and there, from my understanding, we are not seeing any wipes. We are not seeing anything where, like, the camera, because there is the, there are cheats you can do where the camera will turn to a wall, and then you can cut right there, and then match it up with the camera turning. And but this is all in one take. This is all. I don't know how many times they practiced it. And I don't know if they did a second or a third take with it. Uh, so I don't know how many times they actually did it to get the one, the single take. But this is a single shot, no cuts, uh, following. And, and I had to laugh also, by the way. Because when you get to the end of this, you have that final punch where he falls through a doorway and then comes walking 
out and you know that's when they switched over from stuntman to actor right there because <laughs> wait, wait charlie cox didn't do all that uh sorry to sorry to ruin the the magic don't for ruin you. the magic i'm sorry but uh disney doesn't like it when you ruin the magic but daredevil's moves man i mean this stuntman there's there's ninja moves happening here I mean, this is cool fight and it's brutal it's street you know this is this is not choreographed to be uh you know crouching tiger hidden dragon no this is choreographed to be rocky five at the end in the street you know when they're using fists without gloves and punching and kicking you know rocky five you remember rocky five right nope yeah it's probably better that way yeah i think we've established before you have way too much time for tv i have not seen rocky five in a couple decades but i remember that final battle i don't know why but it's stuck in my head anyway fighty fight fighty fight well choreographed artfully shot very cinematic and you know now i know this was compared to the fight in uh i can't remember which episode of uh of agents of shield that was where sky had a similar one one take one 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 take thing but this is this is by far the more artfully done to me just the movement of the camera i think is is what it is it's just a smooth kind of uh steady cam feel it's not you know it's not there's no shake to it it's just kind of smoothly moving around and just taking everything just you know almost floating through the the camera is just kind of floating down this hallway and turning and spinning and you see you know, people coming through doors. You see people getting smashed through doors and into walls. I'm afraid to go into hallways now. It's great. It's great. And then Matt, he fights the goons. He gets to the end of the hallway. And, you know, it, there's something almost fairy tale like about this where, or, or mythic, where it's a matter of he has to get to just get to the end of the hallway, get to the destination. He has all these things in his way to get there but when he finally gets there he goes and off off camera you know this is this is i think audio added in post um because he's inside the room and you hear hi i know you're scared but i'm here to help you you don't have to be scared anymore let's get you home to your dad and he comes walking out and walks back down the hallway holding that child and that goes back to where you know past me kind of stole my thunder here but uh this is metaphorical. This is him rescuing himself. You know, he, he's the little boy. He's trapped in a box. He's waiting for his dad. <laughs> it's, 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 it's awesome. It is awesome. This episode sold Daredevil on me. After I watched this episode, I was just, yes, we get meat. We get style. We get themes and ideas and we get characters and we get all these things wrapping up together around. We get theme, style, and character all in one beautifully shot fight scene here. It's some of the best TV I've seen ever. And I'm including Lost. I'm including Battlestar Galactica. I'm including all those things. This is great television. And I, when I originally saw this, I think I really only liked the fighty-fighty at the beginning. 
And otherwise, I was pretty meh. The first time, now this time, I really liked it. What was different? I mean, what what did you really like this time? I think I I may not have been as tired. (laughs) You were trying to sneak in these the the binge watch. You you were like finding these little pockets of time when it would work for you. I was tired. I mean, you can tell on my phone call. You know, whenever I I get tired, my my uh, some pronunciation of certain words gets a little more pronounced. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, I, I was tired in that phone call and I was staying up later than I probably should have to watch, but I wanted to just consume it. And that's why it's nice to come back then rewatch at a more leisurely pace and then talk about it. It's a, it's an interesting way to do a podcast. Let's put it that way. Considering the, the breakneck pace of watch, talk, release during the season. It's a lot calmer. Any other thoughts then about this episode? I mean, we're not going to give our final verdict yet because oh. that's our final verdict after we do our our. Well, I'm good at the moment but, then. All right. Well, we've got two emails and a voicemail about uh, t- to get into, so it's time for witness testimony. Witness testimony. Do you want to start with our emails about episode? two or do you want to start with our voicemail about episode one let's do episode one stuff first all right episode one voicemail here it comes from john wilkerson yo ben and daniel john wilkerson here uh calling in about episode one of daredevil i thought i would call in after your comments rather than before um I don't know, maybe to add a different perspective. You were asking about why Wesley arranged to have Karen Page arrested and then later on killed in prison. I think the original idea was to arrest her so that the police could search her apartment and then find the flash drive. But suddenly she has a lawyer, and so they need to get her out of the picture before she could talk. They probably had, you know, some blackmail on her or something like that. But when the lawyer shows up, I think that's when Leslie says, oh, we got to off this girl. It could be that it was just originally they, I mean, it wouldn't make any sense to frame her in order to put her in jail and then have her killed. So uh, that's just, uh, those are my thoughts on that situation. You know, Ben, I do know Ben. He's a nice guy. Well, sorry. Past Ben may question that. Um, that se- would seem like a real nice no prize answer, but I'm not sure if one of the founding fathers of podcasting actually should get a no prize. I mean, is that not enough since, you know, John Wilkerson started podcasting? <laughs> Here's the thing, Daniel. We have another email that gets into this as well. And I think it actually, well, I'm going to read it. Uh, this is subject Daredevil episode one. This is from Agent Pam. Hi, guys. I just listened to your podcast about Daredevil Episode 1, and I think I can clear up the because plot problem. As we saw, the bad guy's original plan was to have Karen Page charged with the murder of the guy from the legal department. Batty wanted to keep her alive because he knew or suspected that she had a copy of the incriminating documents. He intended to get a lawyer that he controlled who was assigned to her as counsel in the hope 
that she would trust the lawyer enough to tell him the location of the document. When our heroes unexpectedly popped up and volunteered to represent her, Batty decided his risk would be lower if he shut Karen up by having her killed. That way she couldn't tell them about the corruption or give them access to any documents. Batty would take his chances that he could find her documents first or that she had hidden them so well no one would find them. Trying to have her killed in jail was the result of Batty adopting his, or adapting his plan to an unexpected development. Thanks for all the work you do on the podcast. Agent Pam. You know what I like about this email? What? Unlike you, no spoilers. I like the code. <laughs> it's capital B, Batty, that she's talking about here. It means it's real person. But it does. It also means important. You know, yeah. it's not just descriptive, but it's it's a uh, it's it's a complete description of the character. But here's nice the thing. And spoiler free. Yeah. So here's the thing, Daniel. I'm doing this. The new prize winner of the day. This is for both John and for Pam. They both kind of came at the same at the problem with the same angle, although slightly different details. The only thing that I have that I would say is we're trying to kind of parse this out is where in the timeline, I can't remember very well, but where in the timeline did he recruit the guard? Did he recruit the guard before or after Matt and Foggy took the case? I believe it was after. If it was after, they are both probably, I mean, they're both on the right track in similar directions slightly off from each other as far as one was to, you know, have the lawyer find it. Uh, the other was to have, you know, police investigators find it who were corrupt. Either way, it's using the law against the law, using using representatives of the law against the law. I'm with you. You solved the problem that I was, that I had. And any ding that I could give episode one in that regard, gone. Completely gone. Boom. Perfect. So thank you very much to the both of you. Your no prize is not coming to either of you anytime soon. So we do have one email actually about this episode. Episode two, Cutman. Would you like to read uh, Agent Evans' email? Microwave to the face? (laughs) Sorry. Getting ahead of myself. Episode two is much improved for me. I thought the pacing was better in this episode with good back and forth between Murdoch, his co-workers, and the flashbacks. Good storytelling as far as Jack Murdoch's story is concerned. Very engaging. I think it says a lot when you can take the my father figure was murdered so now I became a, I'll become a superhero and clean up the streets trope and still make it fresh and original. Part of that is the original story from the comics, but the other part is definitely great filmmaking. I like how this episode all takes place in one night, and I love the cold open with Daredevil in the dumpster. We come in after the big fight has already taken place. It reads as fresh to me. I like how Mount Murdoch is human. He's just taking an he's just taking a massive beating, and unlike Batman or Oliver Queen, who just sit there, grit their teeth, and suck it up like a tough guy, Matt's on the couch, writhing in pain. It felt very real and not larger than life. Nice change of pace for a street level hero. Still not a fan of the increased graphicness, stabbing people in the eye, blah. Side note, 
Maybe Foggy would be more fashionable if he got his haircut. Just saying, <laughs> if I was him, I'd get a haircut. He looks greasy. Okay, final thoughts. Final scene, masterful. From the moment we enter the hallway to the moment the episode ends, it's all one shot. It's a Marvel one shot. They brought it back. Oh, choreography nice. that went into this. How many takes must they have done? Speaking of choreography, I love that these bad guys didn't have Stormtrooper Syndrome. Hit them once. Guess what? They're not dead. They just keep getting up. And Daredevil's struggling. He doesn't have it all together. He's just starting out. He's just a man in a mask. Loved it. Very fresh. Very realistic. He smashed a microwave <laughs> into a guy's face. Yes! I love the Christian parallels to the scene also, regardless of whether it was intentional or not. Daredevil, bruised and bloody, just fought against impossible odds to rescue a child and bring him back to his father. Loved it. Well done, Marvel team. I enjoyed this episode far more than the last, and I'm excited for the next one. Agent Evan, over and out. Over and out. Yeah, so here we are. The Marvel one-shot, that's that's That just hurts. That's good. hurts. No, it doesn't hurt. It's good. It's good. It's good. I'm back. It's good. We don't need Marvel one shots. We have instead of a Marvel one shot about Dar- Daredevil, we get 13 hours of Daredevil. Oh, miss them. Would you rather have one shots and no Netflix series? Want both? I guess there's not really a either or here, but selfish. Yeah, uh, yeah, you are. I yeah, primarily selfish. Yeah. Sorry. It's okay. Both. It's okay. I. I they're Call busy. The way I see it. They're busy. Let's put it that way. Yeah. They've added a movie to the... I mean, they're doing three a year, aren't they now? Pretty much. I mean, Ant-Man. That's our one shot. We get we get the Ant-Man one shot. It just happens to be, you know, 100 minutes long. So mm, Suspicious. <laughs> anyway, uh, going back to the, the message here, the, the I mean, there's not really much to, to say. We, we uh, agree with a lot of what, we, what got said here. So, Truth. So you ready for our final verdict? I am. Final verdict. Daniel. Yeah. Out of that's me. Five Billy Clubs. Ooh. How do you rate this episode? Oh, you're not gonna like me. From one to five. One being not great. Five being pretty super great. Four. I do hate you. Yep, I figured you would. Because <laughs> you know what I'm going to give it. You're going to give it five. I'm absolutely going to give it a five. Yeah, but you see, unlike you, I've actually seen all of Daredevil, and I know where my five is. I've seen all of Daredevil as well, and this is this is what I'm setting five at right here. This mm, is... Uh, ooh, then you better have a seven. No, no, this is this is an amazing episode, and it hits style, it hits character, it hits plot, it hits all of the things that I'm looking for. It hits theme. Uh, there are things, especially in that last scene, you know. But it wasn't just that last scene that did it for me. Uh, it, it's everything, all wrapped together, and it's self-contained. It's pretty self-contained. Yes, it comes off of a cliffhanger from last episode, but once again, we get one episode, one, pretty much one storyline. That we get a beginning, a middle, and an end, and we get a, a conclusion. And I'm I highest of praise for this episode, not just because of the fight scene, although the fight scene definitely plays into that. 
So. I, I mean, there's things I like. I like Claire. I like the addition of her a lot. There's some characters I missed. I missed Wesley. And, again, I know where my five is. There's an episode that's going to be coming in the future that I'm going to rave about and say that this, to me, is the perfect episode of Daredevil. This, episode two, is not the perfect episode yet. And, by the way, I'm going to say this. My favorite episode, I have not heard other people say it's theirs. Well, I'm going to say that there will be a couple more fives coming in the future. So that's that's all I can say about that is that there are more fives on the way. And this was just one of them. So Yeah. So that said, um we probably should give some logistics. Okay. So this is episode 99. It is. In approximately a week, you'll hear episode 100. Yes, which is a comic episode that will include listener feedback about the end of the season of so Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. So not Daredevil in the next episode, but if you want to hear your feedback for Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., yeah, that's where you need to listen, and even some Age of Ultron. Yes. Yeah. And then in a few more weeks, we'll be back with the next episode of Daredevil. Yes, yeah, so we'll be taking one week off. Um, there's just, there was just no way around it for the summer. There's a lot of stuff going on in the next three weeks, uh, that just is not just taking me, taking up my time. It's actually taking me out of my house for a couple weeks at a time. So, um, yeah. You know, in the past you've, you've podcast recorded in bathrooms. So, and that is a possibility. I'm not ruling that out. Uh, we'll see. We'll see. As of right now though, I don't, I don't foresee us being able to do that. So if we can carve out some time on the weekend in between those two weeks of camp that yeah, my, wife, my family and I will be working at, <laughs> great. But, yeah, I, yeah, I, I don't foresee good. that happening. I, actually, so. it could happen. It could. Well, let's talk. Okay. But not right. now. As of right now, uh, to you listeners, just so you can expect know what to expect, probably that week is going uh, – 95% sure that, that week will be a, a week off for us. And then we'll, we'll come back with Daredevil Episode 3 after that. So that's where we're at. So uh, all that said, Daniel, thank you for joining me and for talking to me about your wrong opinion about this episode. <laughs> and I, again, I liked it; it grew, but it's not a five. Actually, a four is not bad. I mean, actually, even a three. Three means you you didn't hate it. You, it's not like setting your your life on fire, but you know, three is middle of the road. Not great. Not it, bad. It really, really grew in a second watch for me. So first watch, would you have given this a three or a four? Nope. First watch, I would have given it a two. Okay. But again, as I said, I think I was in a mood. And I'm laughing, and I find it hilarious that Daniel weeks ago um, really liked the pilot, and then closer to now, didn't. And then <laughs> flipped on number two, too. I'm so, with you. That's, that is funny. So. This is like a roller coaster for me. So uh, thank you for listening, everyone. And I'd like to say just, again, thank you so much for being a part of this podcast, for sending us messages, for talking to us on Facebook, for setting me right on plot holes that I that, that were bothering me. Um, it's not going to bother me anymore. Next time I watch through this series, you know, if I watch through it again when season two comes out, um, 
that little niggling thing's not going to be there. It's going to say, hey, bye, Ben. I'm going to go away now. And I'm talking about voices in my head. I'm, I'm probably a little too tired. We should probably stop this episode. So, Daniel, that said, you have any final words for us as well? I'm just glad we made it through this episode because we are now filled with mighty eel strength. Thanks for listening to Welcome to Level 7. You've heard us, now we'd love to hear from you. Go to welcometolevel7.com slash feedback where you can contact us through our website. You can also leave us a voicemail by calling one seventy seven fifty five level 7 You can also join the lively conversation going on at facebook.com slash welcometolevel7 or connect with us on Twitter where we're level7pod. And remember, the 7 is spelled out. Our theme music is The Light Fantastic by J.S. Earls, and you can find that at transplant.bandcamp.com. Welcome to Level 7 is a proud member of the Noodle Mix Network. Find more of our award-winning and award-nominated podcasts to make you think, laugh, and succeed at noodle.mx. Learn how to podcast, get productive in your personal and professional life, theorize over TV shows, laugh with our clean comedy, delve into science fiction and philosophy, learn critical thinking from movie reviews, and more at noodle.mx. Once again, thanks for listening, and remember, Welcome to Level 7. It's not just a podcast. It's a magical place. I got to use the sad trombone. Did you feel good? I did. Hey, Daniel, I got a question for you. Uh Uh-oh. Have you seen Tomorrowland yet? Excuse me, I have to write a letter. Dear Disney, I'm greatly sorry due to this box office failure caused by me. Not having seen Tomorrowland three times already. Should I write a letter to the Tron creators too? Yeah, go ahead. Dear Tron 3 writers, I'm sorry I haven't seen Disney's newest sci-fi movie. And you move from being in a preparatory stage to not making a movie. Hey, maybe this weekend. If it's still in theaters. For Tomorrowland? Yeah, it's well, still in theaters. It'll be in theaters. It'll be in theaters. Dollar it's a theater. good movie. and They made it for you, Daniel. I know. They made it for you. They made it for me, too. And not me. They didn't make it for a Super Disney fan when they made it for me. They made it for a nostalgic um, sci-fi guy you know, who, who likes science fiction. I'm taking my kids to see this movie. You know what I think we should do, Ben? What? Agents, let's unite and make Tomorrowland the number one movie of this weekend. Yeah, that'll totally work. Yeah, I'm all right with Tron 3 getting canceled. I wasn't a big fan. I'm all right with it, too, because I like Tron as a groundbreaking movie. Tron 2, it was a great visual uh, music video. But this means Tron 3 is not going to stink. I'm just saying, Tron works better than a, as an idea than it does a movie. No. What I really want to see is the Black Hole remake. Man, I totally want to see that. <laughs> okay. All right, let's get out of here. Yeah. <laughs>